Hello and welcome to Three Shaved Heads. This is episode number three. Hello, Keith. Hello, Sam. Hello. And uh, so what's been going on? Well, I've got um, a job, which is great because uh, I think since uh, since episode one, I hadn't been working. So I'm now um, in a position where I can finally start um, earning some money again, which has made me massively relieved. Um, and it's always good to be have something to keep you busy. That is that's great news. They must have been listening to the podcast. I reckon they probably would have done definitely. Yeah, I think that's what's done it. <laughs> uh, the uh, no, podcast. good news. Good news. Yeah, really good news. Really good news. Yeah, a lot of disruption obviously at the moment, um, and that's why today we've got a topic which is related to that. Um, but before we get into our hot topic, um, what are we drinking tonight, guys? I've got a good one tonight. Is it coffee, Sam? After your tea it last week. Wow. No, I've actually got a beer. Um, I am drinking a Pineapple Express IPA, which is one of my all-time new favourite beers. It's a collaboration between Tiny Rebel Brewery and Polly's Brewing Company, uh, both Welsh breweries. Mm. Uh, but it's a it's a pineapple, really, really fruity pineapple grapefruit IPA. Um but it is 6.2% though, so the end of the podcast uh, may lose a bit of quality. Um, but it's it's delicious, and I would really recommend it to anyone. That sounds great. I do love Tiny Rebels Marshmallow Stout. That's one yeah, of my favourites. Good one. Yeah. Oh. I thought when when you said it was a collaboration, I thought it might be like with uh, Del Monte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they. No, I'm not sure that's their sort of thing. Probably not, but it could be a nice brand extension, right? Maybe. Maybe. But yes, Tiny Rebel Brewery, very much recommend it. I've got one of their marshmallow stouts in the fridge. Um, I might get that at half time. Great. Sounds so, good. What about you, Graham? What are you on? Me. I'm on uh, something called Beaver Town's Bloody L Blood Orange IPA. Oh, good beer. Yeah, I've had uh, that. You've had it, have you? I've had oh, that. Yeah. That's good. Oh, we've had it. Wow. Okay. Great. Well, at least you didn't have it on another podcast, otherwise it'd be overlapping. But um, it's got a beautiful tin. It looks like some kind of like alien face mm. on the front of it, and it's all in orange, as you'd expect with a name like that. Uh, it's all right. It's nice. I actually chilled it. I don't think you're supposed to chill IPAs, but yeah, I quite like it chilled. Oh, I always it's do. Nice. Always do. No, Beaver Town were the first, I think, to pioneer the the funky cans. Uh, and then everyone caught on. So they were the original. And where is this? This is London, it says. London. Brewed and canned in Beavertown Brewery in London. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Didn't realise it was a bridge beer, but yeah. Cool. It's great. How about you, Keith? What so you I, I'm I'm, I'm uh, bringing and completing the geographic spread across the UK uh, with a beer from the North Brewing Company up in Leeds. Uh, it's a bit of a cheat, I've got to be honest. It, it's one of the, the beers they brewed for Tesco. Um, I saw it on the shelf there while I was doing a shop and thought that'll do. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, Lost Cosmonauts, uh, which I think they launched last year, and it's a double dry hopped IPA. Um, I've given it a three and a half on Untapped. It's I I when I love a double IPA, uh, but I like to almost when when I have them, I like to feel like I'm chewing them. And this one, <laughs> it doesn't really give you that. I think it's. I mean, it tastes good, but I think it's been brewed for middle of the road. Tesco customers, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. I don't but know some some of those some of those sort of brews that get done for those uh, big chains are, are pretty good. I know M and S did a, a load back in Christmas, um, and they were excellent beers. Yeah, okay, I mean it's, it's pleasant. Don't get me wrong; it's nice. It looks good. It smells good. Tastes good. But it, it it's just it's just not got that oomph that a lot of the double IPAs that I, I like have have got. It's not. It's just not hoppy enough for me. I don't think. Okay, uh, some of the Waitrose ones, the Waitrose own brand ones. Actually, it's not the Waitrose ones. It's the um, it's the Prince Charles. What's his name of his company? I've forgotten what it's called now. But those beers are really good uh, in Waitrose. Yes. So I can't do a brand uh, announcement there because I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, <laughs> let's, let's move on. We'll do a really uh, bad cut here. Yeah. Uh, with a jingle, and then cut back in, and you can say the name. And a slip of the beer. Yeah, that's right. We'll just <laughs> we'll kind of fit it in somewhere. Um, anyway, so Sam, 
do you want to tell us what is the hot topic this week? So we're going to be talking about remote working, aren't we? Here we I are. Think we are. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think we have um, been talking about this amongst ourselves for the last few weeks, and I'm sure a lot of people across the nation and the world are doing this because of obvious events. So it's obviously a big thing, and we should probably dissect it in lots of different ways. So um, I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind for me, because I spend most of my time remote working, in fact, for the last year I've been remote working, are the tools. And um, I would say now I'm using very different tools to what I used to use in the office. And before they used to be a kind of a nice to have, but now they're so essential. Um, just small things like uh, Calendly, Calendly, if you don't know, is a tool for allowing other people to find time in your diary, which means you'd have to spend time trying to figure out where you both have free spots on your diary. Um, you can use it to um, create appointments really quickly and really swiftly. So you just hand out a URL and then suddenly you get appointments appearing in your diary. That alone has uh, saved lots of time over the year. That's so good. I'm, I'm just going to write these down, actually, as we're going through. <laughs> Maybe we should link to them. Maybe we should link to them on the website. Yeah. Because uh, I think this, we should, I, I won't veer too much off this topic, but I think it's one of the really key points is that people who have been working remotely for a long time and as the normal are now the people who know all of these tools that that the rest of us who've been kind of thrown into remote working because of COVID and all of that disruption uh, are still trying to figure out. So I think there's a public service we could do here to, to kind of list out these tools and yeah. share them around. Uh, with. And, and do, do you know what? I think um, some people would say that when you are fully remote, that's maybe not as productive, maybe you are not as engaged with other, other, other your colleagues, um, but I, I think that's actually not true. I think there is an adjustment and there's no doubt about that. And there is lots of habits that uh, need to be, need to change and adapt. And that does take time. But overall, my experience of working remotely is one, it's a lot more flexible in your life. Secondly, you are a hell of a lot more productive. Um, I'm quite happy to stay up working a lot later after I put the kids to bed. Um, then perhaps I would be if I'd be spent the whole day in an office and commuted for a few hours each day. So I think it really does uh, wrap around your life in a much more convenient way. So, so Graham, I've, I've, I have a question actually, maybe on behalf of people who've been thrust into this uh, remote working. Mm. You've you've been doing it for year a year or so? Did you say? How, year a and year, a half? yeah, just over a year. A year. So do you try to recreate the office environment at home? Because, and the reason I ask that is because I've, I've seen a lot of people trying to do that. And almost, I think if you do that, sure, that, that might help you to be productive if that's what you're into. But I think you then miss quite a lot of the benefits that are normally associated with remote working. I, mm. You mentioned they're working after you you know your children have gone to bed um mm. but you know i see people trying to set up a complete office in their home maybe not physically but in in the sense that they work from nine till five etc cetera, etc cetera. is that something you do or would you not recommend that are you talking about the physical office in your home or are you talking about the the way you interact with the, your colleagues the way both i guess I'm less talking about having a desk set up and things like that because that that is important, I think. But it's more the way you go about doing your work. Do you do it intentionally differently because you're working remotely? Um, God, I guess I do. I guess I do. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think now. This is really so. How? Yeah. I I I I'll give you some moment to think. I I think I do. So I I have a dedicated office at home upstairs quite small but everything in there i can open the door close the door hide myself away and everything but i think uh, i mean i haven't worked purely remotely like graham has but certainly most roles i've had over the last few years have had an element of being able to be at home to do your job and um most recently when we first went into lockdown the way i worked was it suddenly went from i, I don't really do work until i get there to I get up a little bit early, do a bit to prepare, 
get the children ready to go out, go to school, whatever, and then go back and do a bit more and carry on. So I think that the working pattern through the day is quite different. It's probably a little bit more spread out than it is with a commute. Yeah. Um, so, so physically it's similar to being in an office. So I have a desk, I have a computer and I can, I can leave my office and go to the kitchen and I'm in a different place, but the pattern is quite, quite different. So do you find that, does that make it easier or harder for you to switch between the, the home and work mode? Um, I find it easier. So I have previously worked in the kitchen um just because there's a nice breakfast bar and a bit more space um dogs around downstairs to keep me company um i can kind of open the back door and have a lot more light and air coming in uh but i find that harder because i feel like i'm in the home environment um whereas just having a zone in the house where it's just where i go to work and then come out of it at the end of the day or at lunchtime or whatever i find it gives just that bit of separation you know and that i find that helps we're we're talking a little bit about kind of i think it's zen principles isn't it about this sense Mm. of having a different area for working and a different area for relaxing um and i I guess thinking about it and just hearing keith talk about it here i've always been someone who brings my work home i I think about it all the time when i come home and it's very yeah yeah, to relax um, but actually working in the same place that I live, I would say uh, I find it more relaxing, mainly because I can manage my time much better. Um, I'm in complete control of my environment. Um, I'm in complete control of all my appointments. Um, and I can pretty much decide how and when I can do things and shuffle them around accordingly. If I want to work till midnight, I can. And I have done. If I want to get up early and start a little bit earlier before the kids go to school, I can do that. And I can make time for all those things uh, that matter in family life. And that is quite a big de-stress, I have to say. So we're I'm playing devil's advocate here maybe a little bit, but we're, we, I think, are, are incredibly privileged to be talking from a position where we have a separate space in our homes that we could go and work. Well, I didn't um, at the start. There's, but yeah, this is this is it, right? This is it. How how much, you know? There are people certainly I know who who maybe they're in house shares or maybe they're, you know, they just just have the one room in a larger house that they share with mm. other people and they have to work from there. They have to yeah to eat there. They you know and that because of of what's happening with COVID that then becomes their office as well. And I think mm. you know I don't think there's anything we can. You know, there's no tips really to make that an easy thing to do and that's not i guess an ideal working remote situation unless it's by choice i i think before i was working full-time from home um i used to just work in the lounge uh, on the sofa with a little table and i could do that because there was no one else in the house during covid um we've had the kids around my wife Ooh. around as well doing her job so we've had it's been a massive juggle and it's been pretty stressful um so what we've been doing is um sharing uh the office space um half a day each and then trying to work with the kids for the rest of the day whilst doing homeschooling and it's you know it's been stressful but the ability to shut the door definitely when you've got other people around makes a big difference and allows you to concentrate I can see I can see how that was really hard. So so right at the start of lockdown, we we were the same. So we had three three kids at home, uh, both myself and my wife working full time to start with, and yeah, it was <laughs> quick. Where's the iPad? Get him in front of that. Stick the telly on, and then you, you disappear for the rest of the day. So actually, when when I lost lost my job a few weeks into it, that element of it suddenly went away. So there, there's a bit of a hidden benefit there in in terms of not working during lockdown. So. While my wife was um, hidden away upstairs, sort of working eight, eight to ten hours a day, sometimes I was able to, you know, when possible, when I'm not looking for work, you know, to help out with with the children and and the homeschooling and things like that. I guess I guess what I'm getting at in asking these questions is that we should acknowledge, I think, that intentional remote working and companies that are set up to be remote working friendly or even remote working as the kind of primary choice is a very different scenario to what uh, we're facing at the moment where people are 
are working from home by um, by by law, by rule, um, not by choice. I mean, I yeah, I mean, I I can talk about some of my uh, past experiences in, in maybe I think it's one company. To be fair, um, there was one company where um, they termed working from home as a luxury, and that almost it was seen as seen as some time off, um, which I I found really odd, really strange that they would have that kind of view. Um, and I, and I, and I, but I think, I think that has been the thing that has held back remote working is the, the lack of trust from the employer to the employee. Um, when these things are happening, you know, can we trust that they are going to be productive? Can we trust that they are going to be doing all the right things, um, during their job? Are they going to be working during the normal office hours? That kind of stuff is the fear. But I, I think, I don't think it's fair in, 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 uh, in practice, I would say most people work from home actually work harder because they feel well, we're seeing that they are now. connected. Yeah. We're, we're seeing that. We're seeing companies now turning around going, whoa, hang on, this this works. Yeah. This is all right. Um, and, you know, I think that's a good thing, but we just need to be a bit careful because this is there's a difference between, you know, we can still deliver things and obviously we're going to talk about it from a software perspective. We can still work on projects versus how we would choose to build software. Um, and I think I, you know, before this, I very much am, am a, an advocate for flexible working and for remote working, you know, where it's right for that individual. But we've, you know, we've had a policy um, in, in various places I've been where remote working is maybe for one or two days a week. Um, and that works quite well because you get the collaboration time, the team time. You can have the big workshops, the meetings, huddle around the whiteboards when you're in the office. And then you have a couple of days that you can go and, you know, do focused work. And I think that that really is where I I think the happy spot is for me, um, mm. but not for everyone. And I would say I probably haven't had the advantage of working in a company that is set up to be remote first um i've never done that yeah i mean it is really interesting because i think if you've been in an office and then you've been forced into a situation where you are remote you yearn for all of those kind of incidental moments like the doorstepping and talking about your weekend with your colleagues around the office and those kind of interactions are all part of the office environment and part of the fabric of how those office function um, but in this job that I'm in now, many of my colleagues I've never met face to face in person. And actually, sorry, your colleagues, my colleagues, my colleagues. <laughs> did I say colleagues? <laughs> you said colleagues. Yeah, colleagues. I just thought I'd call that out. Yeah, in case no, you want to edit. No, I don't mean colleagues <laughs> or whatever I said. Um, but what I was saying was, yeah, I mean, I think I've I've never met them face to face. But mm. I, do I feel any differently to them? No, I don't. They just feel like uh, my, my colleagues as they would be in any other business and and the connection is still there we still understand each other you still have to kind of work at it and you still have to make sure you have enough time together but in reality I, uh, do I think the two are that different I, I don't I think with the right tools actually it's pretty natural I think the um the trust question is an interesting one and it, it's it's I think it's quite complex um so on one hand um you kind of ask yourself well if if you're if you're an employer and you you don't trust your um employees to work at home or work remotely or work somewhere other than the office then surely it's not sensible that you trust them to write code for business critical software as an example yeah that's so that's exactly that, it like, how do you feel like that? but in the same rationale as you were saying earlier you, you, there may be some individuals that just need to be in that working environment with other people to be able to to get the best out of them so as a as a manager then how do you how do you sort of play that off because you might you might trust them to do really good code but you might realize that actually their performance might well dip if they're not in a working environment so i don't i don't know i don't know if the trust thing is real certainly it's not it's not for me i mean I, you know, if I trust you to write code in the office, I trust you to write code at home. You don't, you, you know, there's, why would you not do that? I'm sure there's different industries and different places where that, that might be the case. But I think generally in software engineering, people are doing that because they love it. 
they like creating stuff. They like writing code or, or they like designing and they like, um, mm. they like the process. And so the trust thing for me is just not, it doesn't play into it really until someone, I guess, violates that trust, which hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, I, I think what working remotely does is it kind of escalates those interactions um, you've got to you've got to make sure they happen. You've got to set up the meetings. You've got to get the results. You've got to get the outcome. Uh, otherwise, nothing happens, right? And it's the same in an office. But you can go to a lot of meetings in an office, right? You can just swagger into a meeting and go to the next meeting and go to the next meeting. So, th- this has been my point from 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 day one of of this kind of COVID working from home. And you you hit the nail on the head there. Everything has to be much more intentional mm. and i think the difference is in a company that is set up for remote first working the people who work there generally think nothing of you picking up the phone and asking them how they're doing but colleagues who are used to being in an office can see that as a kind of unnecessary why are you ringing me yeah. this is a really weird whereas i would walk past them in the office and say oh, how's it going you know but to recreate that interaction, you have to do it in a much more intentional way. And I think that takes some getting used to for people. I think I, I did hear the other day, and I, 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 admittedly, we, I think we do this as well um, where I work. Um, you set aside time to talk with your colleagues and just literally just have a chat. Because yeah. you don't have those natural interactions. And actually, they are a big part of how we are productive. When you feel connected, when you feel part of a network of people who are also productive, uh, you start to feel, yeah, you feel happy and you feel purposeful. And I think that's an important part of uh, working remotely. And so I guess we get to a point then when, as a company, if you are set up to, to be remote first, you become, by definition, I guess, a much more inclusive company. Do we agree? I I I think so. So well, one of the things that unexpectedly struck me, um, both while I was working at the start of lockdown and then trying to set up as you know on my own to try and get some freelance work, was how I, how much of an advantage I felt having to communicate through a computer. Um, I, I'm naturally introverted person. Uh, I'm for, for Myers Briggs fans out there. I'm an INTJ. So in networking situations, social situations, big meetings, I tend to be more reserved, naturally quieter, um, and try and focus on listening rather than talking. That's just my natural natural way of being. I really have to sort of fight to, to, to fight against that sometimes to to make myself heard. But when you're uh, communicating through 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 a computer through digital channels, I've I've been you know, jumping headfirst into online networking events. And I would never go to a networking event in person. It would be my worst nightmare. But I found it really easy to do digitally, remotely. And I can't, I'm can't. i not sure why. Um, but th- there's something that almost, because, because of some of the etiquette you have to put in when you're, when you're on an online meeting um, or you're communicating through Twitter or whatever it might be, um, it is, I find it is a real leveler between certain personality types. So for me that that is that has made the whole thing feel much more inclusive from a sort of introvert extrovert point of view i i, th- I think you're right no keith you know keith i mean um i was just thinking about the some of the standard issues of meetings in offices and often not often but it happens you get the loudest voice wins the most authoritative or the most powerful voice in the room often wins the argument but when you're on a zoom meeting there is a strict order of play and, and normally a schedule about who's going to do what and for what reason. There's a lot more rationale involved in constructing an online meeting or an online workshop. And I wonder if it's more scientifically rigorous than meeting in person in an office. Definitely, I think that's it. So just knowing, you know, when I'm joining a meeting and there'll be a bit more structure and then when it's someone's turn to talk, most people mm. will then stop talking and you can't really have those side conversations or glances with each other or passing and notes to each other, this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it, it feels I, like it. I, <laughs> Go I'm going to throw a curveball in here because um, 
we've been doing various different meetings and kind of workshops and you know the usual kind of sprint planning stuff i would say it is much easier for a, a developer to just flick back to their ide while they're on a meeting if they're not particularly engaged at that point um, and i think there's there's a definite disadvantage there to not being in a room um, maybe it maybe it's better if everyone kind of strictly uses webcams i don't know but there's definitely i think it's easier to be distracted in meetings i think people are more likely to do that than actually scribble notes in a real meeting and throw them to each other because that's like that's school stuff right surely (laughs) (laughs) unless we've worked in some very different companies i I think the camera thing is interesting there because i i think you're right i mean i've i've um I've recently had the luck to be able to add a second monitor to my home office. So I always have something else just off to the right, just off to where my camera isn't pointing. And it's massive temptation. It really is. But I think if you're, if you're invest if you're genuinely invested in the meeting, whether it's online or in person, you, you're going to be engaging. So I kind of think that would, I think that distraction would happen anyway. If you weren't really, part or key to the meeting you're going to be distracted anyway maybe are we saying are we saying here there's a correlation between the number of monitors and the likelihood of being distracted in an online meeting <laughs> definitely definitely because I'm, all i'm saying is engineers do like a second or third or fourth or, <laughs> or 12th monitor <laughs> so so here's the thing right i think when you are when you're in an office there's a feeling that if there's a is there a meeting going on i'm missing out i want to be in there if you're someone who likes going to meetings mm. and sometimes you're put into meetings where maybe there's a tenuous link and therefore you are gonna you know tap away at your notepad get your a few emails done um and it's not great for meeting etiquette it's not good and it also feels like a bit of a distraction for the people who are trying to be productive. Um, but when when it comes to remote meetings, you explicitly have to ask them to be part of a role on an online meeting. Otherwise, you never you never invite someone unless they are actively going to do something or contribute to a document or review a document Ooh, or whatever. It I is. don't know. I don't know if I agree. I've not seen a reduction in that kind of invite. And I think there are meetings, though, that are definitely one-to-many. And so, for example, if you're doing a Zoom webinar rather than a Zoom conference call, you know it's a one-to-many. You know you can work whilst you're listening. And then you know there's an etiquette that no one's watching you. You're not going to be asked for a question. You're not going to be asked to be involved. You just have to listen. And I think that is a much clearer signal, whereas you don't get that with an office meeting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I want to go on a tangent here, actually, because you did something interesting, which people have been doing since this whole COVID pandemic hit, and it really annoys me. And this might just be a little bit of a rant, and you can cut it out if it is. But <laughs> do you remember when? Do you remember before the iPod? Right, everyone had MP3 players, I do. and they just started referring to them as MP3s, and that was wrong. And that was just because MP3 was a codec; it wasn't a thing. Yeah. People and and then the iPod came out and then all MP3 players were iPods, and and it was just like oh it's your iPod even if it wasn't an iPod, people are doing that now with Zoom calls, they're like oh Zoom me when what they actually mean is I don't know uh, Microsoft Teams or Skype or FaceTime. It's they're like oh we were on a Zoom call. I'm like you weren't. It has, I it has, I, and it's I, just I, wrong. Yeah, um, I'm I'm guilty as charged. I, I but I did actually I did have. <laughs> I'm angry. I had a conference call with someone who used to work at Google uh, today and they were pretty upset that I didn't use Hangouts. But I, I, <laughs> but I don't know, if I say I want to hang out with you, that has a very different connotation. You see, this is the problem. It, it was just a, a genius branding move, I think, or perhaps a lucky branding move because it's not even called Hangouts anymore. <laughs> is it not? Um, no, nope. it's been called Meet for a while. Has it really? Um, I didn't even know. Google that. Meet, I think. And uh, I, I just think it's... They just got lucky at the right time, you know. It, it's go, you know, it's the old Betamax VHS type thing potentially, or Hoover vacuum cleaner thing. Um, a couple, 
company came along at the right time that's new had a bit of press about themselves um and just by nature of the name it's easy to say it's quick it's different i mean teams is a is a word and it's a different word skype skype and zoom are probably the most commonly heard um phrases and people do say i'll skype you right yeah, yeah. Maybe this is just why people don't hang out with me at real parties. It wasn't you. You <laughs> are a bit. Right. You are a bit <laughs> Alan Partridge, I think, on that one. Well, I think you'll find actually when we FaceTime call, <laughs> it was not a Zoom call. I, I will team you later. <laughs> no, see, that's wrong. Just say you called me. That's fine, <laughs> and then we'll figure out what you mean. But I, but I, I, I think it's important though that those things become ubiquitous. So you think about Hoover. We generally all say Hoover now, don't we? Mm. No, I say Dyson now. I say I'm going to Dyson the room. And I do it. I do it. No, I do because I like to wind people up who do the same thing that I've just ranted about with Zoom, (laughs) with Hoovers. I say, well, it's not a Hoover. It's a Dyson, so I'm going to Dyson the room. Um, Yes, I'm facetious and a bit of a loser. I I think it'd be more interesting if you said you're going to back the room. Vaxter. No, no, there we go. Vaxter. That's got a whole different connotation. But anyway, anyway, I've got. A back, back, back to back to back to the topic in hand. You know, yes. not, we're not here to recommend household cleaning <laughs> uh, devices, are we? Let's face it. Many um, others are available. <laughs> uh, we were talking about distractions in in meetings. What about distractions in general? What about the doorbell goes? Oh, uh, ooh, yeah. there's a dirty pile of washing over there. Oh, I just want to put the dishwasher on. How do you yeah. handle that? So the worst ones for me when I've been working from home are well, two things. And one is actually controllable, and I should actually turn it off, is my uh, Google Home device tells you when there's someone at the door, and it goes off, and it's pretty loud. For some reason, it's always on maximum mm. value, volume. It says there's someone at the door, and sometimes it calls out the name as well, which is always even more distracting. Um, and that <laughs> happens quite a bit. The other one I have is the Tesco delivery. Other shops are available, obviously. Um, but they, um, of course, you can't say no to that, can you? It's your food for the week. So you have to get up, apologize, mm-hmm. and reconvene. I think people are understanding about certainly the, the food delivery because, I mean, delivery slots now are like gold dust. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, you say about the announcement because I have the same but with um, with the Echo devices. Yes. Um, and I like it. I think it's great. I'm, I want to know when someone's at the door. But I think I think we've got history on this, haven't we, Sam? Because I believe when we were working together not so long ago, your doorbell going off set my dog going off with his bark, her bark. It did. Yes, it did. That was a very funny day. While we were on a conference call. I think I then made a point of trying to make it go off as many times as I could while I we were on that. I think you did. Uh, but no, my, my wife gets really annoyed when that goes off, especially when she's on a call. Um, so I don't know. Maybe this is just a technology people versus non-technology people. So I, I find with such distractions around the home, I have days when it's really bad and I, you know, I'm getting up every half an hour to go, I probably shouldn't be saying this in case any any future employees are listening. <laughs> um, I can I can control it, honest. Um, but I have days when it's worse than others. So if I feel really engaged with the work I've got to do and I'm enjoying it, um, I won't do anything else. But there are times when there might be slightly annoying days, days when I've got to acquire the workload. The temptation is huge to go and just get some of those tasks done, particularly in a busy family home, just to take the opportunity to, to go and do something that will get you ahead in the evening or something like that so you can enjoy your spare time a little bit more. And I, yeah, and I, I think this is an important thing, right? Um, conventional wisdom is that you go to an office nine to five and you are at full productivity throughout that day. But that's not realistic, is it? Often you have things that accumulate through life and they play on your mind. They actually hinder your productivity unless you've solved them or fixed them. And so I think that is the kind of the rhythm of the future way of working is that you will uh, flip into doing some of your personal things and then flip back into work. And I I think that's quite quite natural in a remote, remote working sense. Mm. I think I think it's just something something I read a while ago. I can't remember where, but it was about the nine to five day and how it basically goes back to the industrial revolution, where 
I guess, factories essentially needed to maximize output while there was daylight because they didn't have electricity to, to light anything up. But that, that pattern has just stuck with us for centuries now. And when you take a step back and think about it, is, is there a real reason for it now that it, it work has to be done between those hours and those hours only? And, and I know I don't think there is anymore. Oh, you know what? We could we could do a whole program about the industrial revolution and yeah. its impact on uh, digital. No, work. no, no one wants to hear that. <laughs> but it has sown the seed that we are basically fighting against when we are working in digital in digital teams. I think. Well, I think if you if you can solve the collaboration issue, and and I don't really mean issue, but if you can retain people working together as a team really well then all of the advantages that we've talked about of remote working are a benefit. If you can't solve that, then I think remote working will always be less effective than being in the office. But that's not for me to say that it's not possible to solve that. There are hundreds of companies out there who have solved that. I just don't think the companies who have been forced into remote working have got there yet. Some are definitely further than others, and it's a learning curve. Um, yeah. So go, going back to the, what, how we opened with the question around tools, do you think it, it, it's tools are the, the the way to resolve that problem, or do you think it's mindset of of your it's employees? A, it's a bit of both, definitely. It's yeah. I mean, you 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 have to learn the tools and know how to use them, and they have to be become habitual. You have to kind of instinctively know what to use for different scenarios and it's different to when you're in office um there's no doubt about that mm. um i mean i i love technology so i love using tools and i can see the future um but of course you know human behavior is such that not everyone wants to adopt uh, change in the same way that i do so it's going to be more difficult and it's going to take a long time but i think those companies that do want to take these benefits and of, of course they will be in technology i think they will and I think they will become ultimately a, a lot more productive. See, I like technology. I like technology, and I, th- and I think I think I like new tools. But realistically, all I've ever done is take my computer home with me, set it up, and use exactly the same tools as I would in an office, or recreate a profile on my home computer, set it up with exactly the same tools as I did in the office, and I haven't really found the need to try anything new. So because by and large, everyone generally is on Slack or um, Jira or whatever it might be. I haven't found a need to change anything about the tools I use just to, just, just to go home. And there's, you know, the occasional use of things like um, Miro and some of the online collaboration tools, but that's about well, it. Let's, let's be honest, anyway. though. Most companies' reaction to, to this pandemic was, oh, God. How do we give all of our employees the same access that they have in the office? Maybe that's the wrong question to have been asking. Maybe it's what 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 are the right tools for our employees to be able to do the best job they can in this new situation? Mm. And I wonder, mm. um, sh- sure, the, the initial thing to do is to make sure business can carry on. I 100% understand that. But I wonder, going forward, how many companies will see transition from that mindset of recreate what we had in the office to let's think about this again what you know what do we need to be the best company we could be now i, th- I think there in some companies you have what i guess you term as a kind of coffee culture that things happen especially in big enterprise companies when you go and get coffee with people and you go and talk it through with them privately sometimes mm. outside of the office in another coffee place that uh, is a kind of weird thing that has kind of happened um, in a lot of corporate culture. And it's you can't replicate that um, in, online so easily um, because there is no there is no parallel, you know, by, by, by its um, very fact of being Zoom calls and Skype calls are one-to-one. And of course you can have a coffee, but it's not the same as getting out of the office and going somewhere together and uh, talking about things privately. So I, I wonder whether there's a, a, it's that mindset, those cultural things that happen in businesses that need to change dramatically. And you either flick the switch, change it straight away, or 
you uh, do it over time. You kind of uh, taper it into the behaviors and start increasing the amount of people who can work online uh, permanently. But does that go back to the inclusivity yeah. question then? Because I, I, I think when you're having to communicate 100% online, there's there's probably a feeling that you are 100% on the record all the time. So you cannot have off-the-record conversations in person because when you're when you're sneaking into a corridor or a fire escape or, I don't know, around the back of the bike sheds, whatever the office equivalent of that is, you, you know that whatever is you, you are saying to the other person, the conversation you're having is pretty much going to stay between those two people. But when you're, when, you're, yeah. when you're on the internet, nothing's a secret. That's how well, you have to treat it. So therefore... We, we have not worked in the same places. <laughs> I've never ever gone around the back of a bike shed with a colleague to have a conversation. I don't know what kind of things go on in your kind of product world, but no, no, that's where, we go. that's where we go to talk about developers. Oh, right. is it okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the interesting thing about recording, there is an interesting thing about it because actually, I see it as a positive thing. If you're recording meetings, if you can't make them, which if you're if you've got other things on, you've got more 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 important things to happen, um, then you can record it and you can send it to those people and they can watch it in their own time. Uh, but it's interesting you saw it as a negative that people can record it, and I I guess it has occurred to me at points that maybe some of those private conversations might be recording, but I can't believe that someone would ever do that because I think those private conversations are important and they are part of that that fabric of the of the community within a business. Well, it's the trust thing, right? Yeah. It's the trust between your colleagues, yeah. you know, you and your colleagues, rather than I think the trust that we've explored so far on the podcast has been kind of boss employee. Will you do work? Trust, and that's I, I sort of contend that as not really being a thing. Um, but I think trust between colleagues in this sort of scenario, it's it's a new it's a new world. I think I guess really where I come down to is a lot of people have had a lot of time to get used to the way that we used to work. And companies who kind of promoted remote first, although they were becoming more uh, mainstream, shall we say, the majority of people are used to working in an office, certainly in our field. And it doesn't mean we can't work remotely, but it's going to take a long time for people to get used to that. And this whole trust etiquette thing, all of the kind of office etiquette that we've built up almost needs to be rebuilt in the kind of new world. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm just while you were saying that, I was thinking about um, people I know who are perhaps in London in a big, uh, big city. When they go into an office, they are surrounded by lots of people. And when they go home and they have to work permanently from home remotely, as we are, a lot of people are right now, you can be feel very isolated. You can feel very alone yeah. if you are not yeah. into those habits that make you feel connected into that company's culture. We shouldn't say that, though, because every single person is different, right? This remote working situation for some people is going to be terrible. They're going to hate it, and they're going to keep hating it no matter what tools they use or, or what process they find themselves in. They just like working differently. Mm. And that's fine. And I think we need to, the trick will be finding finding out, I, I really hate the phrase, the new normal, but I don't think the new normal is going to be 100% remote working. But we need to find out what that mix is because there are a lot of people out there who don't like remote working. They just mm. don't like it. It's not that they're not as productive. It's not that they're not um, as efficient. They just don't like it, mm. and that's fine, you yeah. know. We but we need to cater for that. So I'd, I'd be very happy if if the, the the new normal was a much more blended approach to everything. So the days when I used to have to drive for an hour in one direction, then an hour to come home again, to have no meetings and to do tasks I could do at home. It's pointless. It's pointless for the environment. It's pointless from a financial point of view, and it's pointless from a time point of view. But the days when I need to drive an hour there and an hour back, and have really good conversations, perhaps go out for a, a lunchtime walk with with a colleague or two, see some people, um, 
do some presentations, that's when it's worth being there in person. Um, yeah. But 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 the you must be here between these times on these days approach, no, no matter what you're doing, just feels so so old fashioned. I think you can you can bridge the gap though. I think I think you can do yeah. both. You, you can set a time mm. aside in person to kind of bed in that that community feel within a company. Um, I think yep yeah, to do it in short times. Yes, you have to use a bit of structure to to do that. Or, or make it a very informal event, whatever, whichever is your, your favorite option. Um, but then once you do that and you bed in some of those those trusts and those relationships, then you can be online for quite a long time remotely, as long as everyone is happy in that scenario. Um, my cats have come into the room. <laughs> I thought I could hear something. I thought it was Father uh, Christian or something. <laughs> yeah, we call him Jingle Bells. Well, look, he's. <laughs> we can choose whether we keep this in or not. He likes hunting, right. and uh, we found the more bells we attach to his collar, the less successful he is at hunting and subsequently bringing things back. Uh, so we've reached a kind of happy medium now, but he does sound ridiculous. <laughs> How many bells? We're hoping it's a phase. <laughs> How many bells? Uh, he's got he's got three at the moment, I think, but but one of them is super loud. It's like an extra loud one, so. Like yeah, I don't know. Um, he's. <laughs> I, I I like to think of all the other neighbourhood cats mocking him as he walks along. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So if you can hear that in the background, then that's uh, yeah, that's that's Milo. Yeah. Anyway, very good. Very good. Um, what have we got left to cover on remote working? I feel like we started talking about tools. Uh, and then we immediately launched into some deep and meaningful conversation. Mm. Um, but it would be quite cool to talk about a few more tools that, that you're finding handy. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the other, the other big one is Loom. Um, now, Loom is a screen-based recording software. So you can re- record any window or any screen on your monitor and it will do a picture-in-picture picture of you from your camera inserted into that video, and it's incredibly quick. So you will it will record whichever you point at, and then after you have completed that recording, um, you can just send it with a link. Um, so imagine um, you are giving feedback to some work. You could actually physically see that document, see the facial expressions, connect with that person, hear what they say, and whilst they are highlighting the parts of that document and talking about it, um, you can digest it. And, um, yeah, you've got that uh, to replay as much as you like. So, you know, all those uh, kind of fleeting discussions you might have uh, getting feedback about your work in an office? Well, no more. You can can record it and replay it to your heart's content. And then, of course, you can send another one back, giving your feedback to the feedback. So it's it's a really, really great tool. Um, and it speeds up. I, I hate typing emails. I even hate typing Slack messages. So verbally talking about um, the work, it seems more natural um, than actually typing out because it seems so so binary. And some of the things oh, that we might talk about are, are actually quite fluffy. You know, we, there's an there's element of grayness around it. You're not quite sure whether it's it's zero or it's one, but there's something in between, and you want to talk about that that nuance, which you can't really get across in email. I couldn't. I couldn't think of anything worse than recording a video and sending it to my colleagues. Um, I would. I would much rather type a very well thought through email, succinct. But I just can't. I can't do the. I can't do a recording of a video. And do, do you know what? I, I before I start this job, I would probably say the same thing. I I hated recording myself. I hated seeing myself on video. Um, but when you've been doing it 100% for a year, it's second nature. You just do it. And you suddenly lose all of those kind of inhibitions about um, uh, being online and, and, and recording yourself because it's just part of the norm. Um, but, I, but I totally get what you're saying. And I think that's when it becomes an issue, when you're trying to bridge the two working cultures. I, I think that's when it's, when, it's, when it's a problem because you're trying to adjust and change culture which is already bedded in. Do you think there's a difference then, but, but so, you know, going back to the core of our podcast, do you think there's a difference then between the roles that we all, we all play in, in the tasks and the way we have to communicate? Because 
I've found um, as, as a product owner, things like stand-ups, um, generally most of those scrum type ceremonies tend to be reasonably okay online. And generally when, when I've been in an office situation, there always seems to be one or two people who dial into stuff anyway. So you generally always have a, an online meeting open in the background. So that transition wasn't too difficult. The big, big thing I've probably probably found worse was the ability just to walk over to someone in the engineering team run an idea past them then go back to my desk and then finish off writing something in jira that that's the bit i've really really struggled with um mm. but I, I, I you know i think that what you just described slack is great for, great for that yeah stacks that's good for that but i would have used that in in an office environment as well but i i tend to find try so, and blend it a bit between doing yeah. it on screen and in person just to you know build up that relationship a bit more i think i miss a similar thing but subtly different um i miss overhearing things now let me let me qualify that <laughs> i don't just i don't just spend my life sneaking around an office this is what we have to go behind the bike shed to talk about <laughs> conversations no but it's not it's not me personally but i have seen so many situations where where some engineers are trying to solve a problem and someone in the vicinity hears what they're talking about and goes oh have you tried this or oh i was doing that just the other day and and here's what i did or hang on that's totally the wrong problem to solve you know and then we get in another meeting and say okay what well, refocus it and uh, the fear is that overhearing things actually is a really powerful tool that that we used to sort of subconsciously exploit in in offices now i'm not saying that it's a relied on thing but but being around people and that kind of spontaneous um spontaneous help where you can is mm. super useful and i don't know how you recreate that in a mm. in a remote environment i can tell you so, so we have we use Google. Docs. Amazing! Give us the answers. Yeah, no, no, I'll give you. I'll give you the answers. So, I, I use we use Google Docs. Sometimes I will search for documents because I can't. I can't use the browser, and it is terrible. But anyway, I search for it, and all sorts of documents comes up, and you will find things that serendipitously. I can't even say the word. Um, you will find and discover, and you will find like something that someone else is doing, and that's how but you that's, join okay. it. But that's interesting because that works in your field but not in mine because generally generally when engineers are solving problems they're working in IDEs I guess you could have the same thing by monitoring like a git commit log but by the time you see what's happening it's already done and to an extent that's probably the same with the, the document so you can find out stuff but you lose the ability to be spontaneously useful at that point you're always seeing it after the fact that it's done. If that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, and I and you know I I know this this kind of thing happens, right? People do things because they want to try. They want to try and innovate and do things differently. I would say though, when you work hundred percent remote, you generally by by essence of being remote, you you become more collaborative. So you will reach out. And you will put out, hey, on Slack, um, I'm thinking of doing this. Has anyone done this before? And often people will respond very quickly and they might you know, might even give you a thumbs up and um, or, or a big heart or whatever it is. And then and then you get some nice thread about it. And I and I think that is okay, not everyone thinks to communicate what they're gonna do before they do it, but I think you're more likely to do it when you work from home. Well, I think that's I think that's something that you're more likely to do if you're in a uh, if you or if you're working in an organization that is designed around remote first working mm, i agree i don't think you're likely to do that if you're used to working in an office mm. that's the biggest thing i i think i miss i also i also miss the kind of what i'm going to call like the spark of innovation and i it's a really it's a really terrible term but when you walk past people in an office and you just have that five minute conversation about, Oh, what, what are you doing? Or how, have, you know, how have you done that? Or, Oh, did you hear about this? And that kind of sparks something. And then you go off and go, Oh yeah, that is a, that's a great idea. Maybe if I just do this, um, 
that is just so difficult to come across because mm. even in an engineered call in a in a in an intentional hey i'm going to call you just to chat about some stuff it's very unlikely that you'll happen upon someone in the middle of doing something really interesting who is happy to share it with you um mm. but then I, isn't, I, there, isn't there an opportunity for uh, I mean, so, so I, I did a, a an open university course in design and innovations many many years ago. Uh, one of the one of the classic case studies um, that that's always rolled out on these sorts of courses is is 3M and the post-it note, where the fact that 3M used to give time for engineers to go and work on their own personal projects, and that's how non-sticky sticky stuff um, came to be. Um, so. I kind of think what 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 brought it to market was someone inventing it in their own time, but another person realizing the, what the reapplication could be. So there was an element of a of a conversation happening, but the other part of innovation is actually having a bit of time and space for yourself to work on an idea without distractions. So I, I think while while those those conversations that spark new ideas um, and, and previously unthought of concepts may have reduced recently. The other side of it is that having possibly a bit bit of a time and space to to perhaps just push things a little bit further than you might have done if you were sitting in an office and thought you should have been doing something different, that that opportunity might have increased. Yeah, and we should we should we should acknowledge that actually what we're what we're going through at the moment from a remote working perspective is is nothing like intentional remote working in normal times. Mm. I think time management is super difficult for people at the moment right you i mean you guys know you i'm i'm incredibly lucky at the moment i don't have uh, children and that'll be changing pretty soon but the the time management aspect of of it's it's really easy to say oh i know people just need to make time for that conversation people don't have time we're you know we're trying to deliver everything that we needed to deliver before maybe maybe people are on furlough maybe people are uh you know having more time off than usual or are on reduced hours it's it's a really difficult environment for people to try and transition to remote working which to me makes it more surprising when companies say yeah we're gonna this is the future like big companies have said that you know apple face not apple facebook has come out i think twitter has as well and a few others uh, said, yeah, we're we're not, you know, you don't have to ever come back to the office, and it's like, whoa. I mean, sure, I can see how that would work, and I can see how innovative it could be, but is that are people? Is it the right time for people to be making decisions like that? I don't know. I think it's been it's been a good, yeah. I think you're right. I think it's been a really good test of the technology, but maybe not a great test of the culture around it. I think it's clear that. I mean, it's clear before that the technology existed to do it, but it's now happening at a much bigger scale. And I think for most most people, it's been pretty robust. So that that is not a blocker anymore. The technology is not a blocker anymore. It, it, it's the mm. cultural thing. So that's the thing that, if it were to become a more common thing, that that's that's where it, it may well become an HR um, task to to try and implement more more than the technology thing. But this is this is this is the key for me. Is you know people are the crucial thing here. There's the, technology could do so many things that it just just doesn't because because people have to be accepting of it, right? I, I maybe this is a this is a ridiculous uh, tangent to draw, but you know f- facial recognition systems ha- could be used for amazing things, terrible things and amazing things but people aren't comfortable with it the culture is that that's the bad thing yeah we shouldn't do that the fact that the technology exists in itself isn't bad what people use it for might be bad but the culture the people people have to decide how how we want to work going forward Hmm. and then then you know i really strongly believe that the tools and the technology will adapt themselves to that way of working yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I don't, I don't think remote working is for everybody, um, and of course, there will be industries where that just is impossible. You know, whether you're working kind of uh, retail or whether you're doing you know, beauty care or healthcare or whatever it is, you know, it's going to be limited in terms of what you can do remotely. Although I have seen uh, the NHS make big strides recently to try and 
get a lot of their services online, and I think that will make a big change. Um, but it's not it's not for everyone, and I, and I and I think it will find its balance. Um, certainly in technology, I think it will, will become the new normal. But I think in other industries, maybe uh, it will be a little bit slower, and maybe may not even penetrate uh, in the way that we expect. It it will be very interesting to watch for sure. I just kind of wish this wasn't all caused by a, a terrible global pandemic. Agreed, but but you know, I think but I think when there are constraints, that's when people innovate. Yeah, and, and that's, yeah. Um, you look back in history, all sorts of things happen. You know, fire of London, it, they stopped building houses with uh, with wood, and uh, and and so on and so forth. There are all sorts of things that happen in history where we have changed and innovated the way we do things yeah so the big question for me tonight when you're working at home and you're working remotely what tunes do you listen to uh, do you know what i i don't really listen no. to music nothing no same here nothing yeah i can't it distracts me i have to have real real silence and that's yeah. how i focus I'm I'm mostly the same um, as you probably know. I'm a bit of a news junkie, so I do watch LB, listen to LBC, whilst I'm doing mundane tasks, things that are, yeah, don't require any kind of thought. Um, but when I have to, for example, record a Loom video, obviously I can't have music on in the background, and I can't have LBC on. So it will be literally um, completely quiet, and I have to focus on what I'm saying and what I'm doing. So I think this is the thing about remote working is um, when you do it um, in, in with the right tools and in the right way and in a productive way, it's actually quite all-consuming. Um, and I, I, you know, I will say there are there are days where I feel exhausted. Um, but you, of course, you flip back the other way. You take you take a bit of time out and you do some other things, and then you come back to it later. Which I think is the, is the beauty of remote working is that you can. Mm flex it around your life uh, in a meaningful way and when you are a busy parent with uh, drop-offs of kids multiple kids um that is an absolute blessing uh, a big blessing so so i i've um i've really surprised myself in my consumption of music while working at home so when in an office i i tend not to listen to music that much but if i have a task i want to get through without distraction or i need something to block out the the, the lovely environment of an open plan office i will just put my headphones on pull up a playlist and listen to music for half an hour to an hour at a time and that'll be it during the day um i love listening to music as much as i can so at home in my office i have quite a nice set of speakers um a couple of tweeters on my desk and a nice big subwoofer underneath my desk and i started my time in lockdown listening to a lot of music and started to find it quite distracting um, apart, bizarrely, apart from an entire week where I listened to nothing apart from Jean-Michel Jarre, and I got a hell of a lot done that week, and I, I'm not quite sure why, but I found that that repetitive electronic music quite quite good for focusing. But what I've settled on now, and I'm kind of pondering why I've settled on it, I've I've, I've got a very cheap Bush radio that sits on my, my shelf above my desk, very tinny little speaker, but I have that on six music almost all day turned down really low and it's just a bit of background noise and it yeah. almost feels like i'm recreating so, almost an office environment so there's something going yeah. on there and that i find that really helps me to focus i will i will say so i generally don't listen to anything if i really need to drown something out i live quite close to a building site at the moment um, and if i need to drown them out i have been using an app called Moobert. Um, and it is AI generated kind of electronic music. It's just really kind of chill background. Um, you might, you should try it, Keith. You might get the same effect as you mm. mentioned. Um, it's because because nothing you ever listen to will be the same. Um, and you can set various parameters how um, you know how upbeat you want it to be, or how chilled, or, or you know whatever. But it's a cool app. You should check it out. Moobert. Moobert. I'll have a look. It's interesting. You've got me thinking now. I, I think when I used to work from home, and it was only like a few days a week, I used to have the TV on, but I used to put it on mute. And it's a bit weird thinking about it. I think I wanted the sense of someone in the room, maybe. I'm not sure. But mm. there's something something strange about that. You, you kind of wanted company around you. 
Um, but I, yeah, I guess with you know, uh, twenty four hour rolling news, you got the subtitles and the breaking news and stuff. So there is something you can read and kind of acknowledge, but it's not completely um, invasive. Oh, it doesn't get in your way. <laughs> but the thing is, everything's terrible. Well, oh, that's yeah. so distracting. Well, this was before. Um, well, this is more than three or four years ago, so it was slightly, uh, slightly nicer tone in the news. Slightly. It's almost hang on, hang on. three or four years ago. Everything wasn't terrible. <laughs> well, it was terrible. I might take it, ejection with that. It's just got a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just it almost it's almost a connection to the outside world when you're sitting at home on your own, working. It's almost as having a connection to the outside world that isn't through through your screen for me and it just you know just keeps me connected to other, mm. other people subconsciously i think that's why it helps yeah no i agree um yeah I, occasionally when i need to completely relax away from my work uh, an audiobook is sort of something i might do and i used to do that when i was in the car when i used to commute that was what i would do i would listen to audiobooks and that was a great way of learning new things so i didn't waste that commute time mm. um but of course when you are when you actually when you're working from home remotely you're actually pretty compacted for time you don't have en- much time to kind of relax and unwind and learn something new um so i think that maybe that does take a hit when you remote work from home yeah you have to do things like diy and building flat pack furniture <laughs> to relax yeah Maybe we should leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that we've uh, we've gone to new heights in terms of remote working now. Um, so thank you at home. And if you've got any questions or any queries, please don't be afraid to fire a tweet to our uh, Twitter account, which is at three, the new more three, shaved heads. Um, and if you want any comments or feedback, please send it along and we will respond to you. And please also subscribe to our podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on Apple google and spotify as well so thank you very much and we will see you in the next episode